0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie and welcome to a Vision for You special edition. Today we are going to be having a guest speaker that will be speaking on a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Today is Sunday, July 7th, 2013. The whole point of joining OA and moving all through the steps is to do one thing to cause a spiritual awakening, a profound personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. A personality is made up of the way we think and feel, our attitude and outlook upon life, people, places, and things. And here to speak about this personality change sufficient to bring about recovery is Rick B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. So with no further ado, let's get started with this.
1: Good morning, and welcome to you, Rick. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning to everybody on the line. I just want to say, uh, as we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, I'd like to congratulate everybody on the line and thank everybody that's been a part of this. It's been a great year. Um, I've spoken a few times on A Vision for You, but I've never really told my story. I've been on panels. And, um, so today I thought I'd, I'd tell my story and kind of focus on that personality change and focus on that relationship that developed with God as I worked the steps and, and up, up till the present. And I think it's significant because, um, uh, I was never a religious person. I was never one to look to God for answers, or even think about God. I was, I was most likely an atheist, but you know, maybe an agnostic. I I, I don't know, somewhere in between there. And you know, that uh, that was most of my life. I I was brought up in a a, a traditional. Religion, but I never really got involved in it, so I don't ever consider myself to have been a member but to start with my my story um, as far as my overeating i was a I was a fat kid, I was a fat kid in the neighborhood, fat kid in the family, fat kid in the classroom, fat kid on the baseball team, and you know there was that was always always there my whole life. And I was able to, uh, you know, drop some weight in uh, my teen years and basically by dieting and restricting and the usual. But as I got older, into my teens and 20s, alcohol became important in my life. And as I was drinking, it really became uh, almost impossible to, to control the food, so I, I didn't worry about it. I uh, I kind of gave up the battle with my weight, and that continued until my late 20s. In my late 20s, I ended up in a alcohol detox, uh, actually twice. Uh, the second time, I was 280 pounds. My blood pressure was off the wall. And my heart was enlarged. My liver was enlarged and i was pretty sick and the doctor told me if you continue to do this you're not going to live to be a very old man and it scared me um and like i said that was the second time
2: so as i was in the <clears throat> the detox one of the things
1: one of the things that i decided i was going to do was go on a diet and um and i did i started Going on another diet right at that point, I stopped drinking. I haven't had a drink since. It's been uh, over 24 years since I had a drink. And I I lost a bunch of weight, uh, maybe 40 pounds or so in that first five or six months. And
2: I began,
1: you know, probably 15 or 20-year struggle with my weight, yo-yoing up and down, um, between anywhere from 240, 250, back to 200 pounds. But I never stayed at, at 200 very long. It seemed like I would only get there when I was being, quote, very good, when I would be uh, doing a good job on my dieting. and But I'd get to 200 and then it would go back up. And that, as I said, continued for, you know, almost 20 years. Well, about six years ago, I was uh, watching TV, and there was something on TV about binge eating, and I decided, wow, that's me. I eat like those people. And I Googled binge eating disorder, thinking that I was going to find the answer. And what came up on the computer was Overeaters Anonymous, and that that right there was probably the first time that God entered uh, entered my life as far as my eating. I I didn't plan it, I didn't realize it, I didn't recognize it, but that's how I got introduced to Overeaters Anonymous. So. I uh, did some online meetings and got the courage up to go to a face-to-face meeting. And I walked in and I can remember that first meeting and I knocked on the door and they said, yes, can we help you? I said, is this Overeaters Anonymous? And they said, yes. I I said, uh, can I come in? Oh, oh, sure. Well, later on, the ladies in the meeting, it was all women, there was about eight women sitting around the table, they thought I was a contractor or a custodian or something there to do work because they didn't have very many men at that meeting, and they continued not to have very many. So I, I began participating in the meetings and decided to go on another diet, and I lost a lot of weight. I lost, uh, you know, like 40 pounds. I got under 200 pounds again, and I said, well, this is, this is pretty good. I I like this. And after about the first year, the weight started ticking back on. And, um, you know, I kept trying to control it and trying to put down the food. And I I really wasn't very successful. I didn't put all of the weight back on. I put on about 20, uh, 25 pounds. I got up to, I think, 225. didn't really didn't know what the answer was i I thought the answer was what was successful before I had to get onto a better diet and
2: it uh it didn't it didn't seem to work it didn't uh I'm sorry, am I still here yes you are hello okay thank you i'm very silent good.
1: Um, it didn't seem to, didn't seem to work. I wasn't, didn't seem to be able to, uh, to get back to what was working successfully. And it was about, uh, probably three years into my time with, uh, with OA that I was sitting in a coffee shop, having coffee with somebody from program. And she said, how's your food? And I said, my food is pretty good. And she said, well, you know, pretty good isn't abstinent. And I got to thank him. And at that point, uh, the jig was up, and I knew that I really was playing games. And I made a a decision at that point to to, um, do what I had been taught to do, what I had heard in the meetings, and that was to eliminate binge foods. I hadn't really done that. I had cut down on them and and uh, not done them as much, but I, I didn't eliminate them. And it was so I think it was the next day I went to my sister's house. It was Easter Sunday, and I wasn't going to have any dessert, but I did. So it wasn't the very next day. It was the day after that when I stopped eating, you know, the sugar and flour products, which were my primary binge foods. And I, I put them down, and immediately the weight that I had gained started coming off. And after putting those down, within a couple of months, I got down to the weight that I'm at now, which is about 180 to 185 pounds, and I've been there ever since. And that was that was the first time I had really been following any adherence, to a food plan, and mind you it was it was just eliminating certain binge foods. I wasn't working the steps i wasn't uh I wasn't praying, I wasn't using the tools I wasn't doing any of that stuff that I heard in program. I just simply eliminated those binge foods and it 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 worked it worked as far as my weight and i I look at that as being very significant because i put those binge foods down, got abstinent, got my weight under control. And I did that before getting involved in the program of recovery. Now, I did not plan it that way. I did not decide that I was going to get abstinent and then work the steps. It just happened that way. After about six months of abstinence and my weight being good, I started listening, and I started hearing what people had to say at meetings. I started hearing about recovery. I started hearing about um trust in a higher power those are those things i i never I never listened to before I never heard it. I never knew really what it meant. I guess I basically chose to ignore it so I, I kind of thought, well, maybe there's something something more to this. Maybe I need to do more. But I was having trouble with the idea of God. God was not something that was a concept that I was comfortable with. I, I just couldn't bring myself to hardly uh, ever even say the word. But I knew that I had to. I had to try to do something to get in tune with what I was hearing at meetings. So I tried a couple of different things, and um, one of the things I did was I, I picked up some books on Buddhism. And a guy had written some books on Buddhism and the Twelve Steps. And even though I, I never, I never became a Buddhist, and I never really studied what they. What he talked about was a type of spirituality that was a little bit easier for me to grasp onto than traditional religion. And one of the things he did was he he kind of revised the third step, and he changed the last pronoun. Instead of turning our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him, He said, try this. If you're having trouble with God, try this. Turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood it. And I liked that. That was easier for me to grasp onto. The idea that God didn't have to be the God of my childhood. It didn't have to be your God or anybody else's God. It just had to be something and it it opened the door it opened the door just a little a little bit um, it wasn't the answer i you know that was that was that was my the extent of my work with buddhism i I didn't go into it any more than that, so I don't wanna to claim to all I wanna say is that it 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 was one thing that I explored that kinda of opened the door. Well, about that time, um, I had heard, you know, I started hearing at meetings, hearing about working the steps, and I I heard about a workshop in New Jersey. And I went to a a workshop where a speaker was given given a a weekend uh, series of talks. It wasn't really a retreat. But I had heard that this speaker, was not a believer of a traditional religion but he had recovered and um, you know a friend had, had pointed this out to me a friend that was reading the same kind of books and having the same kind of struggles as I was with God so I went down to that workshop and uh, I listened to what he had to say and I was I was pretty amazed that I didn't have to believe in God in order to recover. All I had to do was believe in something more powerful than me, and that was a great relief because uh, I was having a lot of trouble with the the idea of God. So after you know going to that retreat and reading some of his materials, I went back to meetings and you know I I continued to listen to people working the steps, and now I knew. That it was possible to work those steps without, without a belief in, a, in a, a traditional concept of God. And I made an attempt at working the steps. I got a sponsor. The sponsor was not an OA person. It was a AA guy, and um, I did an inventory. And I gave it away to him, but it, it wasn't complete. It wasn't thorough. But it was it was the beginning it was it was an attempt and it was some form of of working a fourth and fifth step but that's where it stopped i never i never went into the fifth i mean i never went past the fifth into the sixth and seventh and um,
2: didn't didn't
1: really certainly did not find recovery there but i i found again a, a beginning. Well, it was probably about that time I had heard about um, big book meetings and I heard about uh, telephone meetings that focused on the big book and I've heard about um, face-to-face meetings that focused on the big book and they were called big book step study meetings. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with them. And I showed up at one and it was an AA big book step study meeting. And I heard things that I had never heard before. I heard um, the term untreated alcoholism. And I heard it about three times that night. And I finally turned to the guy next to me who I didn't know. And I said, what is that? And he said, it's a dry drunk. And I had heard that term before. But these people that were talking about untreated alcoholism had talked about being sober for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years without recovering, without treating their alcoholism. And that was one thing that was in common with me. You know, I was sober at the time, 20 years, and I hadn't treated my alcoholism, never mind treating my compulsive overeating. So uh, between those meetings and between telephone meetings, that were focusing on the big book, which I had read some of. I certainly never studied it. Um, I had read, read bits and pieces. I started to dive in, and I started going to those meetings, and I listened to the, uh, the readings, and what they did was they pretty much read through page 104 and the parts of the book that, that dealt with the steps. And they had a... They had a format that you couldn't share at the meeting unless you had worked those steps. And it was unlike most OA meetings I went to before. Everybody was sharing at OA meetings, whether they were recovered or not, whether they were overweight or not, whether they were eating or not. And I both liked the format and disliked the format. Uh, I liked it because it was very serious, and what I heard, was very to the point and very um, genuine. What I didn't like was I couldn't talk. So one of the reasons I decided to work those steps is because I wanted to be able to talk at those meetings. And, uh, you know, self-will, self-centered, call it what you want, that was one of the reasons I wanted to do it. So I got a sponsor and uh, started working the steps. And we we read a good chunk of the book, I think, up until How It Works. And we didn't read it in person, face-to-face. He said, you know, read it, take some notes, let me know if you have questions. And I went through and read it. And I highlighted and circled and looked up words and read it, you know, more thoroughly than I had ever read it before. And uh, I met with him. And he said to me, are you willing to go to any lengths? And I said yes. He said, "Okay, let's go." We were in we were in a library, and uh, a small you know study room off to the side of the library, but still in the library, in a public place. And he says, "Get on your knees." So we get on our knees, and he held my hand, face to face, and he said, "Let's say the third step prayer." Now I, I had heard about these. Uh, formal third steps, and I was kind of nervous because I knew eventually that question was coming, and I knew eventually I would have to do it, so we sat we were on our knees and together recited the third step prayer and there was there was really quite a feeling when I did that one was um awe because here I was on my knees with another guy praying. I don't know if up until that point I had ever really prayed before in my life. I had recited prayers, but I don't think I had ever said a prayer with meaning or with any anticipation or any idea of the significance. I knew, I knew that that prayer was important and uh it was a it was a very interesting feeling. I almost didn't want to get off my knees. I couldn't believe that I was in this public space saying a prayer and you know it it seemed like it went on forever, but it probably was only ten or fifteen seconds and he said to me, "Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous." Well, I was a little bit resentful of that because I had been around for twenty years. But what he what he had meant was, uh, you
2: know, you he, here we go, we're going to work this program. So I went, uh, I followed his directions, and
1: uh, some of the directions I used were my own, in other words, directions I had found online, and uh, began to do my inventory. I used a set of forms and templates, and I'm not going to go into how I did that, but um, I did the inventory, and it it took uh, three or four months, and rather extensive writing, not as extensive as some, and more extensive than than others, so, Um, and it came time to give my fifth step away, and I remember we sat in the, we went back to the same place in the library. And we sat down, and he said, "My sponsor says, wait a minute." And he left the room, and he came back with a chair, and he brought it in. And I didn't know what what he was doing with it, but he brought in an empty chair, and he said, "That chair is for God." And then he said, "Of course, he knows everything you're going to tell me anyway." And I thought this was pretty corny. But I you know, I accepted it and I said to him, you know, I, I don't know if he really knows until I tell you And he said, Okay Because at that point, you know, I, I still I didn't have any concept of God. I wasn't uh I wasn't fully buying into to God, but I knew that the book said we had to find a power greater than ourselves and I heard people say that the purpose of these steps is to find that power, and I had that much faith I had that much faith that I didn't have to know exactly what God was at that point. I just had to be willing and um it took several several weeks maybe maybe even into maybe six or seven weeks over a couple of hours here and there to do that fifth step. And when I got done, the book says we're supposed to spend an hour alone and review what we had said and see if we had left anything out. Well, I had about an hour and a half ride home, maybe an hour and 15-minute ride home. So I really didn't get to spend that time with God that night, because when I got home, I just fell asleep. So the next day, I I sat by myself and thought about it. and. I did have a feeling that I had done something pretty significant. Uh, again, uh, there wasn't uh, anything earth shattering, but I knew that I had, I had achieved something that I had followed the directions and, and completed part of the directions. I shouldn't say achieved something. I should say completed some of those directions. And he, um, gave me a few directions on what he thought I should do for step six and step seven. And it wasn't extensive. It was basically, you know, make make a list of those defects of character that I wanted removed. And also, he told me to make a list of assets. And he explained the reason for the list of assets is because the seven-step prayer says, God, I offer myself to you, all of me, good and bad. And he said, so it's it's good to not Leave out the positive things. And then uh, it came time to make a list of people I had harmed, eighth step. I went back through my inventory and made that list. And then I remember, I think I remember asking him, Do I get to talk at meetings now? And he said, Oh, no, you've got to make those amends first. And I said, Oh, boy actually, he didn't say I had to make them all. He just had to say, he said, I had to begin making amends. That was the format of the meeting. We had to be working on those amends. He said, um, what I would suggest is you start with some something that's significant but may not be the most extensive amend that you have to make. And there were some financial amends I had to make and there were some other things that I took care of. but. Two of the amends I had to make were with my mother and my sister. My mother wasn't, and still isn't, in the greatest of health. Um, she's a practicing alcoholic, and she can be a handful. But she was living with my sister, and my sister was taking care of her. And I, I allowed my sister to bear that burden, and I basically hid. I ran away. I, I tried not to get involved as much as I could. If she called me and I had to go over there, I went over there. But I, I didn't. I didn't do any more than the bare minimum. And I knew I owed my sister amends for not helping her with that. With that burden. So it happened to be a, uh, a, a snowy day. I didn't have to go to work, and I went over to her house with the intent of. Um, making amends, and uh, her kids were out of the house. It was just her and me. And uh, you know, today I know that that that's that's the way God planned it because I had to I had to have her. If she had her kids running around, I don't know if I would have been able to tell her. But I had to explain to her what I was doing, and I explained to her about the program. And I actually brought her a copy of the Big Book and gave it to her. And you can read it if you want. This. She knew I was going to meetings, and she knew I was going to a lot of meetings, but she didn't really know what I was doing. And I told her about the uh, the night step, and I said, we have to make amends to people that we had harmed. And she said, well, can't you just lie and tell those people you did it? Well, she was kidding at the time, but what she was telling me was she really didn't understand what was going on, but she she was making a joke. I mean, she wasn't uh, that dumb, for sure. And I said, no. I said, I, I could do that, but that's not why I'm here. I come over here to tell you that I haven't been the brother that I need to be. I haven't been the son that I need to be. I haven't helped you where I should. And I, I've let you down. I've let Ma down. And she said, you know, oh, no, no, you, you've done enough. you look good. I said, no, I haven't. If I was good, I wouldn't have to be here and her her jaw kind of dropped because that's not that's not a way that we ever talk to each other we never we never said that to each other that we had been lacking or we hadn't um treated each other right, or we never talked in that deep of a type of conversation um Excuse me. We never, we never, um, we never talked that deep. Everything we ever talked about was superficial, and that's kind of the way my family was. You hide those emotions in the background. And that was an emotional conversation.
2: And she, she couldn't, she couldn't believe it.
1: And you know, I left left that day knowing that you know I had started making those amends, and I had been on my way, and that was a good thing to do. One of the next things I had to do was make amends to my mother. And I wasn't quite sure how that form was going to take. But I was over there one day, and uh, she started crabbing that my brother wasn't around. And I I had been, you know, building up to this by showing up every week and at least visiting and at least trying to help out and trying to offer my, my help. And she was crabbing about my brother. And I said, no, why don't you leave him alone? He's kind of busy. He's got two older kids in college. He's got two younger kids. He's kind of busy. And besides, I have to be here. And she said, what do you mean you have to be here? I said, I have to be here because I have to tell you that I haven't been the son that I'm supposed to be. And I've let you down. I've let my sister down. And I've let you, um, you know, basically deal with, with your problems on your own and I haven't I haven't stepped up. I've been neglecting the things that I should do as a son. And I really haven't been very good in that area. And she again, she looked at me kinda of funny. And she just kinda of nodded her head. I said, So, you know, don't worry about him. I'm telling you that, you know, I'm gonna be here and I have to I have to try to help out my sister and try to help out and do what i what I should be doing as a son and i didn't I didn't get into a lot of specifics um you know, I did kind of talk a little bit about my alcoholism and things that I had done, but that was kind of a a touchy because she was she's still in her disease, so I didn't want to appear that I was over there trying to change her, and again. I had never had that kind of a conversation with my mother. Same as my sister. We just never, never talked that way. And we never got into how we really felt.
2: And when I left, I was driving home, and I just had this feeling of kind of, wow,
1: I can't believe I did that. Because that was one of the amends that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I remember telling my sponsor, I don't know if I can make any amends to my mother. I don't think I can tell her that I've been been wrong. She's been a pain in in the neck, and I don't think I can do it. Well, he had told me, well, maybe you won't be able to. I don't know. Some people don't. Um, Maybe you'll end up making amends at her gravesite. And I remember him saying that, and I said, "Wow, hey, that's pretty good. I don't have to do this. I can, I can, I can just wait because I didn't know how long she'd be around." Well, she got a little bit better, so it's it shows you that selfish thinking where I didn't want to make those amends. I thought I could just wait and put it off and do it in the form of some kind of letter or or uh, you know talk at at her graveside And those thoughts actually went through my head. And, of course, that was a little while before. But as I was driving home and, uh, excuse me, as I was driving home, I said to myself, wow. And there was this feeling of I couldn't believe I had done that. And that was really the only feeling I had. And I kept thinking about that conversation with her over the next couple of weeks and the thought occurred to me that it wasn't me making that, having that talk, that there was something else controlling my, my thoughts and my, my words because I could never plan that kind of a talk. That was not something that was in my makeup. What it was, it was the directions and the steps that taught me how to do that. And by working those steps, I knew that it was God that was directing my words and my thoughts. As insignificant as it was or as significant as it was, I knew that there was something to it. I, at that point, understood what people meant by the term, God will su- you will suddenly realize that God is doing for you what you could not do for yourself. If I could have done that, I would have done it. But it took working those steps to to realize that. And, it, again, it wasn't an earth-shattering thing, but it was very, very significant. Well, I, uh, you know, continued to um, work those amends and, uh, you know, step step 10 – I was taught was to take inventory on a daily basis and when we're wrong, admitted it. I was taught, taught to do a mini step four, step five, and eight, and nine if necessary, and, and process it that way. And step 11 um, I found was helpful because I didn't, I was not into prayer, prayer and meditation. And I can remember having another problem um, And I was telling somebody about it, and she said, have you tried praying about it? And I said, no. She said, well, maybe you better. So I had no idea. How am I going to pray? Prayer was not something I was into. So I opened up the big book, and I saw in Step 11 how we review our day, and we look for selfishness, dishonesty, fear, uh, self-seeking. And we ask God to remove them. And I started reading the, those pages from Step 11 every night as part of a, a daily review. That was the only contact of prayer I ever had, but you know something? It was the crack that I needed to have open. And that's that's what I began to do. And uh, it was all good. It was all good. But that wasn't the end of the story. Um, I don't know exactly the timeline, but it was a short time after that I was I was on a retreat and I had gone out for a cup of coffee and there was a group of people sitting in the parking lot reading a book and one of the ladies motioned me over to sit down and I sat down and basically what they were doing was praying and I really, I felt a little bit uncomfortable because that was not something I had ever done. But I joined in. I didn't have much to say. I listened, and um again, I was uncomfortable, but I was there and what happened was uh later that summer, um I found out that these same people who many of them were on this line they they read from that book every day, and they did it together on a call, and they happened to be visiting one of the people that does it. And I was invited to, to join in. And I said, I don't know.
2: I really I really don't
1: know about this. Well,
2: just sit and listen. So I sat and listened. And this this book
1: was a uh, a devotional book and the book had scriptural references in it. It was really something that I had never looked at before, but it became interesting. And by Joining that group, I became interested in getting to know more about religion, getting to know more about scripture. And um, I was led to a meeting, a local recovery meeting, that was in a church. It was not affiliated with OA or AA, but it was a recovery meeting at the church. And I walked in, and I really didn't like it. it was a couple of hours there was singing and there was prayer and it was a little different than the meetings I had gone to. But and I told the guys, I said, I probably won't be back. This I don't think is for me. Well the next week I don't know what led me. Well I should say I know what led me. I didn't I didn't leave me is guess what I should say. I decided to go back to that meeting. And I went back And again, I wasn't crazy about it. I said to a guy, uh, and I said, you know, I I really don't care for this. What I was really looking to do was maybe, uh, you know, get some more knowledge about religion, get some more knowledge about God, maybe get into scripture. I'm kind of having trouble with this. I'm kind of stuck. And maybe maybe there was something here that could help me out. And he said, uh, why don't you come to a Bible study? And I, I, it went in one ear. I kind of heard it, but I didn't get the details. And the third week after I had said I wasn't going back to that meeting, I went back one more time. I said, I'll give it one more shot. And this guy said to me, did you come to the Bible study? And I said, no. He, was, he said, thank God. I rushed down here to intercept you because we didn't meet this week. And I didn't want you to be here by yourself. And I thought, wow, this guy really cares. And, you know, I never, it was it was different again to have somebody take an interest in me. So the following week, I showed up at that Bible study. I walked into that room and there were 12 guys. Now here it was, I was in OA working mostly with women had a few male friends, 12 guys sitting around a table. And they were in there uh, on a spiritual journey. And I was I was blown away. First of all, because there were guys. Second of all, uh, I walked in and I was welcomed. I was welcomed with open arms. They were glad to have me. And I wasn't sure if I was glad to be there at that point. And at the end of the meeting, one of the guys said to me, uh, "So, uh, what do you think?" I said, "Well, I'll be back." And he said, "Is that a threat or a promise?" So he put a little humor in it, and I, I went back. I went back to that meeting, and I started diving into the readings that they were doing. I started diving into scripture, and it was it was just as profound as working the steps, maybe more profound. And I continue to go to that meeting to this day. It's been about six months that I've been going without interruption. And I was able to, one, connect with a group of men that were spiritual-minded, a group of men that were were looking to further their development, and I wasn't quite I wasn't quite sure what else was, was gonna be there. But as I got through that and I'm not gonna go into too much detail because um, you know, in a way we don't get into
2: religion. But I went to that, that Bible study and by working with these guys
1: and by listening to what they say and I started attending church I developed a relationship with God that was no longer a a generic God, it wasn't a higher power. I developed a relationship with with a God that has been written about, and I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ and to me, that was so profound someone that had spent his whole life running away from religion, running away from God, that now I was involved in a church, I was uh, discussing, I was studying scripture, and I was believing. I was believing. God no longer was something that I had invented. God wasn't the God of my choosing. God now was something that I had learned about as a kid, but never accepted. God now was something that millions of people believe in. And it was a concept of God that I could join in with without holding back, without being generic, without worrying about what people thought and what a profound change. Um, And I, you know, there, I could go into more detail, and anybody that wants to call me, you know, afterwards, that kind of knows what I'm talking about is welcome to. But, you know, the point of 12-step work isn't to promote any one kind of God. But those of you that are listening, You know what I'm talking about. And you can certainly call me and I'll I'll tell you more about it. Um, So I I had said to these these guys that I would spent this this much time fighting God and uh, not knowing what it was and not understanding. And I had to explain to them what got me there. You know, other people have different stories of how they, they came to a certain faith that they have. But I never stop to, um, I, never, I never leave out the fact that it was working the 12 steps that led me in that direction. And I find that not too many people in, that I've talked to at church really understand
2: i have to i have to you know say it over and over and over again
1: because i i i don't know whether it was that they didn't have my problem or they they had something that they could turn to besides some the twelve step program I'm not really sure, but a good friend um in program who is a member of the clergy keeps reminding me that God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose, and my experience in 12-step work is going to be valuable to people in that group, in that congregation. She said that I'm I'm very new right now, and I might not know what what direction it takes, but don't be shy on telling them how you got there. And I, I certainly don't. I don't back off it was funny I was I was meeting with uh, one of my my mentors in the group I was over at his house for dinner and his wife I had told his wife that I was in OA and she said oh yeah I do something like that I do uh, I do uh, weight watches and we talked a little bit about that and you know she was telling me about counting the points and things like that and she had said One day she was going to overeat, and she prayed to God, and God kept her from eating. And I could see where, you know, this lady uh, with a, a deep and profound faith wasn't quite sure how to ask God to help her with her eating problem. And I really haven't gotten too much into it yet with her, but I sense that there's going to come a time when she's going to want some more information. And gonna wanna wanna hear more about the twelve steps and how they help us with our food problem. Um, So here's a situation where you know I'm able to help her, but she's also helping me, and her husband has been uh, such a great help in my spiritual development. And I know that that little incident right there is telling me that all these things that happened, whether they be you know on my knees taking the third step, um, making amends, uh, finding that Bible study, talking to people that have uh, weight problems in the congregation, all those things are just a series of uh, pathways that God had directed me. And when I tell that story, people are very quick. To remind me that they're not coincidences and that was that was usually my first explanation coincidences but today I know that they aren't coincidences and God had led me down that path and he did it in a way that I could open my eyes closely I could open my eyes slowly and just enough without being turned away so um my my point to this whole story is, had I not worked those steps, I would not have come to an awakening. I would not come to know God.
2: I would not have come to know Jesus Christ, and that's the
1: point the point is I was directed along that path. I was directed by God in a way that I could understand. So there like I said, there is there is more to the story and I'd be glad to talk off the line. But um I don't want to get into too much about specific religions because I know that there's somebody out there just like me that I'm going to turn off But I was also, when I was talking to this spiritual advisor, this member of the clergy, who's a dear friend of mine, she's in OA, she's been tremendously helpful. She also said to me, don't be afraid to mention his name, because that's part of the story also. And I don't think you want to be ashamed of what your story is. But yes, you don't want to go overboard, you don't want to get into it too much. be be open and willing to talk about it when anybody wants to call. And it's a story I love to tell, and it's a story I love to talk about. And
2: uh, I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Rick.
0: Thank you again. And I wanted to, um, you know, just invite people now Rick, as long as you have time, I hope, to ask some questions here. Those that sure. are remaining quite a quite a large room of people here. What a what a profound story. It certainly certainly gave me lots, lots this morning. And so with that, thank you, Rick. I would open this up this time up now for questions and answers for um for Rick. Who would like to be the first one with a question for Rick this morning?
2: Hi, my
3: name is Sarah Grace and um this I
0: I heard I heard I heard Sarah first and then Grace and, and I just would like to encourage you to to have it related to the subject matter that we were talking today. Sarah, are you first? And everyone else.
3: My, my, my name is actually Sarah my name is actually Sarah Grace, one one name, one word. And uh, Rick, I just want to thank you and acknowledge um your story and it's similar to mine and um it sounds like you are willing to talk to people. Um, and I'm wondering how I can get your phone number.
1: Well I'm on the I'm on the contact list. Um I guess I can give my number right now. That would be great
3: because I don't I'm new.
1: Okay. It's uh five oh eight six five four three eight oh seven.
0: Thank
3: you so much.
1: You're welcome.
0: And that would be Eastern time as well, just to add that part for folks.
3: Thank you. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Sarah Gray. And then I heard Sharon from Colorado. hear me? I can. Happy morning, Sharon. Good question for Rick that's uh, related to the subject matter. Sharon, I think we lost you. While we're waiting for Sharon, I this would is like to Sharon.
3: open up. This is Sharon. Sorry. Sorry. I keep trying to unmute and mute, and I don't know which I'm doing. Can you hear me now?
0: I can. Welcome,
3: Sharon. Okay. Thanks, Melanie. I just wanted to thank uh, Rick so much for his uh, story. And also, I just wanted to make sure and confirm that I had his telephone number correctly. Uh, 508-657-3807?
1: No. Uh, 508-654-3807. Thank you very much, and thank
3: you, Rick. And I don't have any questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Is there anyone out there that does have a question for Rick related to the program of
2: recovery and the subject matter that he was discussing today? Just press star 1 on your phone keypad.
4: Hi, my name is Becky. I'm a compulsive uh... recovered reader in uh... South Jersey. And, uh, Good morning,
0: Becky. You. Your question for Rick? Um...
4: I, I know this This probably uh, first I wanted to thank you and I wanted to thank you and uh... say a word of thanks to HP for uh... the humility and the willingness that uh... let this door open for you and uh... Share some of the gratitude i feel uh and I'm sure you feel and uh thank you for sharing and uh maybe you'll maybe you'll let us know when some other doors open for you i, w- I hope you will I guess that's my question do you do you, i i know you're waiting for those doors, but I hope you'll continue to to uh keep us keep this in mind when those doors begin to open um, i pass
1: well, thank I'm you, you. here. A, uh, pretty, a pretty big door has opened, so um, I think I'm going to be spending quite a long time uh, working my way through that door,
0: All right. and
1: uh, it's amazing that, that it is open, so thanks.
0: Thank you. Another one with a question for Rick. Hi, Melanie. Hi, good morning. Hi, Melanie. It's Mary Lou from California. Good morning, Mary Lou. Your question for Rick.
5: Um, Hi, Rick. It's Mary Lou Recovered Compulsive Eater. Thank you, God. Uh, I just want to thank you for your talk this morning, and I wanted to tell you that I also resonate with your process of spiritual development and how I just finished, not finished, but I just uh, completed doing the steps with another recovered member, and he... um, my sponsor has been instrumental in getting me through the work and through the steps of according to the first 164 pages plus the doctor's opinion of the big book. And it has been such a profound experience for me. I thought I had God and, and you know, in my religion of my choice and, and I had, I thought I had this great concept of God and relationship with this God of my understanding.
6: Um,
5: but like you, um, The 12 steps have been kind of a distillation process and helped me to see my part in uh, the causes and conditions, the reasons I picked up the food, the reasons I continued to eat, my character defects. And thank you, God, that um, I have had a soft place to land in that brokenness as the food was down this time around, because it's been such a process. But I wanted to also address you, I wanted to ask you, um, how you balance out going to your OA meetings and working with other compulsive eaters through the big book um, while holding on to your intense relationship with your higher power, with your church. Like
1: how do you balance both out? Oh, it's uh, <clears throat> no problem whatsoever because, um, it just kind of took care of itself. I, uh, I I don't have I don't have problem balancing it out to be honest with you. And if anything, it has made my twelve step work stronger. So it has opened up relationship with people in twelve step meetings that I wouldn't have had before. Um, you know, when I'm able to share my experience, now I've got people that are talking to me about their experience, whether it be about religion or whether it be about o a so it's not a problem balancing you don't make a choice there is there is no choice they work they fit hand in glove so i I certainly wouldn't worry about it and you know i I know I have good friends that I've met since then, one person that I sponsor who had a very profound relationship with god in a very traditional religion but yet he was having trouble with food well when we worked the steps together he was able to overcome his compulsive overeating so i helped him with that and he's helping me with the spiritual side of it because he's far more experienced than i am in 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 Understanding God, so it has it has um, increased my awareness of twelve step work and and brought new people into my life that I probably wouldn't have been open to meeting. So you do not have to make a choice.
2: Thank you. Excuse
1: me. Thank
2: you. Anyone else would like to ask a question of Rick this morning? Who's up next? Melanie? Hi, good morning.
7: (laughs) Hi, it's Mindy. Good morning. Hi, good morning.
0: Good morning, Mindy.
7: Uh, Thank you, Rick. I enjoyed that so much. And I just want to ask, isn't um, this program all about making conscious contact with God? For me, anyway, that's why I'm here. Once the food is down... And we've worked that out, which sometimes is ongoing due to allergies and stuff like that. But the main part is growing closer to God and being more open to his teachings. I don't know that there is anything else to it. And working the steps is all towards that direction and making peace in our life and with others. So I don't find it contradictory at all. But am I... Off in that, or what do you think on um, what I'm saying? I pass.
1: Oh no, you're you're right on target. That's exactly what I intended to say. Um, they 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 work hand in glove. All I'm saying is, you know, the twelve steps brought me to an awareness that opened up a door to a getting back to a a more traditional concept of religion, and I I didn't look it up in the big book, but it. It tells us in the book, or in the Twelve and Twelve, that that you know after working the steps, that many people go back to the religion of their childhood, or find a new religion, and this there's, it's there's no uh, that's not anything that's that's hidden. It says it right there in the book. So no, they're not contradictory, and I'm not trying to say that they're contradictory. All I'm just saying is. That at o a meetings we don't promote any one kind of religion, so that's why you know i'm I'm not at a this is an o a meeting, so we're we're keeping it to the program of recovery. All my point was to let you know that by working the steps and working the program that I was able to even more fully develop that relationship with God, something that goes beyond the scope of the text
7: yes. Uh, and I agree with you 100% in everything you say and um, as far as that. And religion is another means or a way that is comfortable or doing the steps and the religion become intertwined. It's all one to me anyway. And I just thank you again, and I pass. You're welcome. Thank you, Mindy, for your question. was a
0: question this morning for Rick. It's related to the subject... And or the program of recovery. There's yeah. somebody on but there's a lot of background noise or, or, or wind noise or something. I can't quite hear who this is.
8: Hi, my name is Doreen. Could I share?
0: Yes. Well, you could ask a question of Rick, please. Yes, Doreen.
8: Hi, I'm Doreen, and I'm recovering compulsive overeater from Rhode Island. Um, thank you, Rick, very much for um, taking that leap of faith and sharing your story. And, um, I have been in program for many years and, um, I am not, I am not yet recovered and I've had glimpses of, um, of abstinence and physical recovery. And, um, for me, um, you know, I have a, you know, it's become apparent to me that I have a Know, I have a step two problem, so I'm doing some of the things that you talked about in addition to the program. Um, but I, I'm very fearful. Um, I feel in my heart that I'm doing the right thing, but um, so I didn't work the steps first. I'm kind of doing everything all together. So I just wondered if you could share a little bit about, um, you know, about fear, fears that you had um, as you were going through the process of completing the, the steps.
1: Well, a big a big fear I had, and it's all over my fear inventory, is uh, fear of God. <clears throat> Whether it be fear of God uh, in general, or fear of God in religion, or fear of God from other people, it was all over the place. And I was glad to have written that down. Um all I can say is you know my story was that I worked the steps, and by working the steps, I was able to develop a relationship with god um, those that that was a big fear there were there were some other fears um you know fear of um you know fear of of Uh, Being alone, fear of not being alone, fear of having children, not having children, being married, not being married, all those kind of fears, Um, you know, fears at work. But the idea is when you work those steps, you do them without regard for the fear and you, as someone just said, take that leap of faith and they don't completely go away, but you overcome them by working the steps. So um, the idea is you just do it. You just do it. Do those steps, and then you see what comes as a result of that. Don't let anybody get the impression that every fear is gone and every bit of selfishness is gone and every bit of self-seeking is gone that I am somehow perfect that is the farthest thing from the truth. And anybody that tells you that they have become perfect as a result of working the steps is is misleading you. And I don't think too many people do. I think what happens is we get so caught up in our fear that we interpret what people have have to say as that everything is perfect or everything is better than they can ever be for us. And, that's part of that self-centered fear. We never think we're going to be as good as the people we hear. And uh, we're not. We're only going to be as good as God wants us to be. So, every day that I can understand that, I don't have fear. But it's difficult to to, to bring that with me every single day. There are There are certainly defects of character that crop up. But Only God knows which ones he's going to take away.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Doreen. Thank you, Rick. Someone else with a question for Rick regarding the subject matter or the struggle of recovery? This is Paula. Hi, Paula. And I heard somebody else. Paula. And then Teresa. Paula, then Teresa. Paula, you first. Then Teresa. Okay. Thank you. Uh, first, thank you very much, Rick, for that story. You know, it, in the words on page 29, each individual in the personal story describes in his own language and from his own point of view, the way he established his relationship with God. And that part, we, as you were speaking, I couldn't understand in the beginning. I said, well, how could he do the steps without God? Is it that you weren't aware of God? I just don't know, I, but because I know you did the steps. So can we, even without that personal relationship being that of the depth that it is now, do the steps and then it will come?
1: Yes, okay. absolutely, absolutely, because that's what happened to me. I did not believe. Step three Says, came to believe it 's a process, and that process took working all those steps and it took finding other people so yes i I strongly suggest to anybody out there that is worried about God you don 't have to believe in my God or someone else's God. all you have to believe is that the program is going to transform you, and then you're your God will appear, or your idea of God will will come to you, just as it did for me. So, no, you don't have to have God to work the steps. That's the whole point. You you develop that relationship with God, and I, I know you know that. Um, you develop your relationship with God through working the steps, and everybody starts at a different point. As I said, I've, I have friends that had these very uh deep relationships with God but yet they couldn't figure out their their food problem. So they they help me with with God now and I help them with their food problem and everything's all good. So no, you don't have to have God to work the steps because that's the point of the steps. They'll help us develop that relationship with God.
0: Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Rick. Teresa?
3: Hi, this is Teresa.
0: Hi, good morning, Teresa.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Um, Rick, thank you so much for your uh, message this morning. I mean, talk about a message of recovery. I was in an in-person meeting, an a, a OA meeting yesterday, where um, there was a lead, but the lead was um, about how um, this particular person kept her weight off for many years. It, it wasn't about um, uh, a relationship with a higher power. And I sat in that meeting really frustrated. You know, sometimes I go to in-person meetings. Because I've been on phone meetings of this nature for so many years, I hear the message of recovery. I hear it. But I've been told and I believe that I should go to in-person meetings for that for that face-to-face contact. But sometimes there's a conflict between what I've heard as the message of recovery and what I see in the OA rooms. So first of all, thank you for delivering a message of real recovery. Second, do you go to any meetings where you hear messages that are, you know, really focused on food and weight? And as a recovered person, what do you do? Like when you hear that, that, that message that's off, how do you take the message of, you know, from, that you know from the big book and through your experience, how do you share it in a setting like that without being off-putting?
1: Well, I haven't had that problem um, because I'm just telling my story. And there is, you know, I do have friends at meetings that are where I was. And all I can hope is by telling my story, if they trust the process, that they too can come to an understanding,
6: whatever it is.
1: And there are people that recover without a traditional idea of God. Um, they just are able to develop a concept of a higher power that works for them, and that's all good too. So I haven't had that problem with being off-putting, um, because when people when people hear that you've had a, a transformation, a personality change, they they don't argue with that, because people that are still suffering, that's what they're looking for is a, a, a transition. And I know that my story will help somebody. It certainly won't help everybody. That's why you have to go to a lot of meetings. That's why you have to talk to a lot of people to get all different viewpoints and all different methods. So um, I don't worry about that. If anything, if anything,
2: I'm far more confident now than ever. So it's not a problem. Thank you, Teresa. Who's next to ask a question
0: of Rick? This is Du. Oh, hi, Du. Good morning. Your question for Rick. Good morning. I don't have a question, but I do have a comment. Um, thank you, Rick, for such a, a beautiful story. And I'm just so privileged. I feel so privileged to have Judge on this road of recovery with you and, you know, and see the transformation, that personality change that the big book talks about in you, and it's just been such a beautiful experience to see you get God and see you get, um, you know, um, a level of recovery and, a, and from what the 11 steps talks about, you know, the improved, um, improved conscious contact with God, and it's just so beautiful to, um, to just see you walk that way and walk in, in the light of God today and let that sunlight of the spirit permeate your life, and it's been such a blessing to just see your transformation and um, be able to walk along with you. And I was thinking along the lines, you know, how our stories have been very similar in a, in a lot of ways, and I just wanted to say that, you know, for the people that are listening out there, you know, that there are different methods on, um, and different ways on getting God. And, um, you know, I was, I was one that was... Um, walking with people of my own faith, and I could not get God. And it took someone else from this meeting that had a different type of faith um, to bring me to the God of my understanding. And it and that's how this program works. You know, um, it's a 12-step program, um, and it will lead you to the God of your own understanding. And that's, you know, my own conception of God, my own conception. And I'm glad that you got your own conception of God. and um, and that's a beautiful thing, you know, because everybody everybody that comes to this meaning, they get their own conception, you know, whether it's Buddhism, Muslim, um, I mean, it could be, you know, from um, like different types of faith. Um, and so everybody gets it, you know, if they do the work, you know, the big book promises that if we do the work that we will get the results that in the that the results will definitely materialize. And I saw that in your story that as long as you had the willingness, the openness, and the honesty, that you would get how the how of how to get God and how to get that higher power in your life. And I see that today, and I'm so so glad that that, that that's the case and that I was able to witness that and have been privileged to be one of your friends and been privileged to charge with you along that path and, um, and get my own conception of God. And it's, um, uh, it's such a beautiful thing. And I just wanted to share that with you today and, and honor you in, in that
3: way. Um, that I passed.
1: Well, thanks. Um, I'll just throw this out there that, um, you were one of those people sitting in that parking lot reading that book, um, that invited me into that uh that little group outside the retreat. So um, you you certainly have helped me. So um thank you for your nice comments.
0: Thank you, Du. Anyone else with a question for Rick this morning? Linda. Hi, good morning, Linda. Hi. Uh, Rick, um I, I really like your story. It was is very touching. And, um, um, my question is, um, when you were saying how you put the food down and once you got your trigger foods down, it sounded like you didn't have any struggles at all. Did you have any, um, hard times like going through that process when you're going through, um, uh, the steps and, uh, you know, keeping the food down and,
2: uh, being willing to you help know, constantly that's all well putting the food down was the beginning
1: um you know at first all i did was put down flour and sugar products and then i had to develop a longer list um no there there were, certainly there were struggles um there were life struggles. There were work troubles. Troubles. There were relationship troubles. Um, no, don't don't if don't let me mislead you into thinking that there were no troubles or there won't be any troubles. Um, there were. But what I found was I now I had some something to deal with those troubles and some some way to work on them. Everything is not perfect. Everything is not all better. Um, but today I, I do have somewhere to turn when those when those troubles crop up. So, I um, I think that that sometimes can be a a problem when we're telling a story, as we are today experience strength and hope, you know, of course we want to, we want to, um, emphasize the, the hope. And I hope, (laughs) I, I hope I did, but I don't want people to think that everything is, is perfect. It's not, it's never going to be perfect. We are going to struggle on this earth until the day we die. The question is, have we changed and are we able to deal with those struggles in a way that's different than we dealt with them before? I always thought that if I could think about it, if I could process it, if I could figure it out, I could solve my problems. And when I wasn't able to think about it, process it, and solve my problems, I thought I was a failure. But today, I, I realize that those struggles—they come with the territory, and it's not always ex- able to easy to accept troubles that come. Um, you know, people that know me know that I have difficulties. Um, you know, whether it be at work or family relationships or with friends, um, they they do crop up, and some of them are, are you know, continue. So don't think that everything is fixed. And I think that keeps a lot of people from working the steps because they're afraid that they're not going to be as good as the person that they're hearing from the podium or on a phone line. And they think this isn't going to happen to me. You don't know what your particular personality change is going to be until it happens. And when it happens, you realize that you're different. It doesn't mean that um, nothing's going to ever happen bad. It just means that we're different than we were before, so... We have to be careful that we don't hear the hear the message that am um, that that in a way that leads us to think that I cannot get to a better place, and that's the point of the steps. The steps will help us develop a relationship with God. Doesn't have a say in any of those steps. That everything is going to be perfect. It just says that our personality is going to be different. And our outlook on life will be better. So anybody that's that's feeling some fear, and I hear it at meetings, about working the steps, don't worry about how good it's going to be. Just know that it will be better and, and go forward. And when you when you feel something change, you'll know. You'll know that God is working in your life. And you don't know it until you feel it. You'll feel it in your heart. You can't expect to understand it with your head. You'll know it in your heart when it happens in it. Sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. Very slow for me. Very slow. It took, as I said, I, you know, I've been around 12-step rooms for 25 years. And about 20 of those, I was doing it just by myself. So, trust the process. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Rick. And thank you, Linda. Anyone else? Maybe we can take one, maybe two more questions, Rick. Does that seem fair? That's good. Okay. Anyone else in with a question? Hi, this is Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. And then Rose. Good morning. I'm and I'm a compulsive over here from Massachusetts. Rick, thank you so much for your story. It was so awesome to hear um, your your journey. My question to you is, on your journey in seeking out God, did you want to seek out God, or were you just trying to figure things out for yourself? Were you trying to live on self-will, or did you know that you had to give yourself over to something greater than yourself?
2: oh i think it was uh i think it was a lot of self
1: will i I didn't know what I was looking for sure absolutely self will i took that leap of faith that i'm gonna try these steps i i was not i was not looking for the concept of God that i have today uh far from it As a matter of fact I kind of thought i could um get away from that so the answer to your question is no. I wasn't. I wasn't really looking for God. I was looking for. I wasn't. I don't even know what I was looking for. I was just took the willingness to work the steps. So I, I think I, I was fortunate in that sense. Maybe, maybe my self will helped me, because I didn't have expectations going forward. So does that does that answer it?
8: yes thank you and i, I too want to just say that um I feel privileged having you as a friend. Thank
0: you. thank you thank you Carolyn and Rick Rose
6: you're next thank you melanie Rick thank you so much uh, this is rose recovered compulsive reader um i really I really appreciated your story the um sharing at the level that you shared it is really very strengthening to me. Um, the question I have, it's obviously a personal question, so it's not really easy, but on the other hand, it's very important to me. Um, I grew up in one religion, and then at 31, I had a conversion to a different religion, which I practice for the next many years up until uh, maybe a year ago or so. <clears throat> and the change took place um, when I became abstinent and I did complete the process, my fourth and fifth. I completed my fifth this past March. So I'm newly recovered as far as the steps are concerned. Um, and, the you know, the promises and the changes in my life um, are taking really taking place so the part about um, I'm I've I have a a great sponsor and I do have a connection with God uh, but I really am in a place where I'm beginning to um, how shall I say be very bothered and uh, disturbed by the fact of not knowing in my heart what religion god wants me to be. And it's very it's a very big situation. And I do I had those fear turnarounds as well and god was certainly part of it. So my my journey with god right now is like really at the very beginning and it's um it's a big it's big. You know, it's just big to be in the for me to be in the place I'm in. I'm 67. So I'm not um, a young person coming at this. And I do trust and rely on this program. I do trust and rely on the steps. And I am trusting and relying on God as as I know him today. And I know that a day at a time I can stay in the program without ever knowing any religion except my heart is yearning for a religion. So I am following advice given to me, which is to, you know, do 12-step work and work the program. But if there is anything you can either share about it, Um, I'd really appreciate it. And I thank you very much, Rick, for for your story.
2: Well, no, I don't have any (laughs) advice or ideas in that department,
1: but... If you, you know, continue to work with the process and trust God as you understand God, then he'll reveal to you what the next step is going to be. Um, Everybody's journey is slightly different. So don't don't worry about it. Um, Just try to do the best that you can do. And God's there. God's there. And he'll... uh, He'll guide you if you let him. As far as, you know, journeys down particular religious paths.
2: That's gonna be up to him and however that plays out it will it will take care of itself. So
1: I wouldn't worry about it. And I I know I didn't worry about it and I wasn't looking for it. So Wherever you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. So don't beat yourself up,
2: because that's not going to help. Well, that's really all I have to say on that.
0: Thank you, Rick. And thank you, everyone, for your questions this morning for Rick. And especially, though, thank you, Rick, for sharing um, this intimate journey, spiritual experience, that has continued to enlarge, as described, you know, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, it's been a great, great couple of hours spent with you, and I appreciate very much the amount that you've given from this point of view and from this experience of yours. It's quite intimate in nature, and I I have just been completely moved by it. Thank you so much. And, you know, with that, I'll just repeat Rick's phone number. It's an Eastern Time phone number that he's offered already on the phone for those that may have missed it. And that is 508 654 3807. And I feel like I can give that on this recorded line because he also gave it one. I hope that's true in this case. And thanks again, Rick. Melanie, is there code for
2: this meeting?
0: You're welcome, Rick. Thank you. Oh, sorry